Hey everybody. Why does agriculture care about Liz Cheney? Well, I think ag I think I think establishment agriculture probably needs to be concerned about what happened to Liz Cheney and her and her historic defeat and the fact that establishment ag is probably in some cases missing some of these primary races. And the fact that establishment ag, in my opinion, does not have real good connections with the new right, nor do they have good connections with the new left, which which are both driven to to the to to farther away from the center than usual. And, and I get it; the establishment ag wants to deal with the establishment because it's in the center and it's what we know, what we feel comfortable with, and what we like. But. <clears throat> It, it, it's not, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rip on Liz Cheney a little bit. No, oh, by the way, Buckaroos, hang around here. This thing's gonna be long. There's gonna be a lot to it. It's gonna 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 it's gonna be a rather lengthy one. Or as Theo was saying, this is gonna be hardcore history length. And those of you that are not a Dan Carlin fan and know about hardcore history, he will do a podcast series that's like four or five hours per episode for four or five episodes. Uh, which means a total of somewhere in the neighborhood of anywhere from 20 to 40 hours. Now, I'm not going to go that long on this, but it, 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 it's, well, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw Trump in here. I'm going to throw Bernie Sanders in here. We're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, you know, the New York Times is calling for a preemptive coup. They are scared to death of Trump. And I think they're maybe more scared of him now than they were to begin with because I think he's starting to figure it out too. Uh, basically, and I'll say this, Trump changed the world and he changed the political world. And you had all the, you know, the group of seven leaders and you have the World Economic Forum and you have all that kind of stuff. And he came in and basically overturned the money changers tables. And I think the establishment's trying to change it back. I think they're trying to hold their own. But but I also don't think the establishment realizes how, and, and they may hold on. They may get to Whitefish Bay, if I can use a Embed and Fitzgerald uh, analogy here. Uh, you know the the last the last transmission that Captain McSorley said was, "We're holding our own." He was taking on water. Water was going over the top of the rail, which means the waves were breaking across the top of the rails, which means he was he was he was getting low in the water. And, you know, there's a certain point in time that, you know, you go past buoyancy. And this has happened before in politics. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Whig Party, too, and how the fact that, you know, the Whig Party wasn't – the Republican Party wasn't established until 1854 out of the Whig Party. And by 1860, they'd won the presidential election. Now, much like what we have elections now – uh, Abraham Lincoln did not win the popular vote. Uh, you know, and and and, and talking to talking to Theo, and Theo's younger than me, and he he thinks the establishment too kind of knows the gigs up, the gigs up on a bunch of the economic stuff and a bunch of the stuff going on, and they just want to manage quote unquote the decline of this country because they see what's going on now. In a way, that may actually make some money for us farmers out there for a while. Because eventually the, the petrodollar breaks, and when it does, uh, we will get more exports. Of course, anything we import will cost more. And my God, about everything's being made overseas now, or at least made in Mexico. 
Um, I mean, look at the stuff that John Deere's just making in Mexico now. Look at all your semi-trucks. But that's another story for another day. Now, those of you that have listened to me a long time know that back in the spring of 2016, I did one of my more infamous or famous or most rec- most played podcast, and it was Trump and Sanders Save Democracy. And that was the, that was the spring of 2016. And, and I, I'll still stand by you know, the, the, the fact that Bernie Sanders won, Bernie Sanders won the Iowa caucus. You know, it's the old Joseph Stalin quotes, not that, but not who votes that matters. It's who counts the votes that matters. And the Democratic Party was counting the votes. And, and I had numerous friends of mine over in Iowa and either them, yes, I do have Democratic friends, or, you know, their kids, their cousins, whatever, went went to a caucus. And, and people stand under, like, the banner of what other candidate they're backing. So everybody knows that knows the vote total. But yet when it was reported, Hillary won. But everybody knows there was more people backing Bernie. The establishment, I, I don't know if they know how close they are to losing the edge of the vast majority of the populace, the common man especially. And, and, and with that, 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 with that um, you know, how, how, does, how does that work with ag? Well, the ag establishment, I think, is very similar to the, Republic, the Republican establishment right now. Uh, they just don't know where they need to be right now. I don't think they know what time it is, to quote Theo. You know, you got some crazy stuff going on in Sri Lanka where, you know, they adopted all this crazy organic farming that was going to be a 10-year transition that they did in basically two and a half years. You know, some of the stuff that's been going on in Canada where you had the truckers protesting, you had the farmers protesting with the truckers. You know, Trudeau's going to limit nitrogen fertilizer up there. You got the things going on in the, the Netherlands. And I'm just wondering if if the establishment ag if they don't realize what the fight is and where the fight is and how big the fight is. You, you know, and I got a friend, and you've heard me talk about her before, that is very active in California politics and California ag organizations. And she tells me that you need to fight this stuff and fight it now because now that, that, that a lot of the ag stuff in California doesn't have anything to lose anymore, now they're fighting. But it's because they've lost it all. Uh, you know, does the ag establishment realize there's lots of groups playing for a different outcome than it used to be? I think there's people out there playing for the full control of production of food, much like the full control of the production of energy. And and let's face it, they're trying to to trying to make sure cheap energy is gone, and also expensive food is here to stay. You know. I still say a lot of this beyond meat and vegetable meat and everything else is nothing more than a, that wanting to control the food supply. You control the food, you control the people. You control the food, you control the people. I mean, look, look what Stalin did to Ukraine in the 1920s. But you have to remember, too, the establishment likes the establishment because they know who they're working with. They've always worked with, with, with you know, whoever they, they know, they know whoever is, they, they know, uh, they, they, they have a comfort level there. They don't have to explain their issues. They don't have to go through them. They don't have to worry about somebody having some crazy idea. You know, we, we, we know what we're talking about. And, and I really think, 
especially with the new right, I'll call it, and the new left, that establishment ag doesn't have a clue. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't totally understand the, some of the new left, and I don't always agree with a lot of them on the new right. Um, I, I take crap from some of my friends there because I still have these, you know, old policies that were developed by, by, you know, Roosevelt back in the thirties. And, and that's bad for some reason. Well, I'm, I'm not always thinking it's bad, but maybe that's because I'm in my early sixties too. Yeah. You know, and, and I think part of it, ag, we have, we have younger people coming in, but it's us old dogs training the new dogs. And and I'm sorry if you don't like that analogy, but we're, we're training them. We're training them, and we're tra- we're teaching them the old tricks, but we're maybe also still teaching them some of the old tricks. It, it's the and 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 my son says this, and Theo's seen it. It's the same farmers talking to the same farmers for the last two to three decades. And I'll say it's been since the 1980s ag crisis. The 1980s ag crisis really, really shaped the future of agriculture. You know, the crop insurance program that we have, I mean, there was a lot of trouble that happened in the 80s because of the droughts we had in, in, in 1980, 1983, 1988, and people literally didn't raise a crop. And you didn't have crop insurance. So when you didn't have, raise a crop, it didn't matter what the price was, you didn't have anything to sell. Or if you raised half a crop, you lost half your money. And the 1980s changed the world in ag, But, and I'll quote Theo again, we have not come to the 1980s ag event yet. The next 1980s ag event yet. I mean, people can say this, that, and the other, but but it's, it's, you know, we're not losing the farms here, folks. And and the next next ag crisis won't look like the last one, but, you know, we went went through the 30s, and the 80s weren't that much different than the 30s because people lost farms. They lost their businesses. Uh... You know, then, then you know, there, there, and there was some financial crisis in the past. You know, after the Civil War, you had some, you know, collapses in the eighteen seventies. You had some other times, but, but in modern history, in modern banking, you know, you have the nineteen thirties and the nineteen eighties to look at. And if that means we have a crisis once every fifty years, we got one coming at us for a little while. So, establishment eggs got some time right now. Now. Now, why why do I talk about this? Well, I, I want to comment, and I've been wanting to comment on on all this, and I've kind of put it off. You know, you you got Liz Cheney comparing herself to Abraham Lincoln, and, and I know I know the the agriculture people are going to say, well, why does this matter? Well, probably we have an Abraham Lincoln coming forward now. Whether that's Trump that realized some of the some of the stuff that he needs to change finally figured it out, or whether it's another Republican or somebody else coming along, whether it's a Charlie Kirk. And I don't know how many of you listen to Charlie Kirk, but I can tell you on, on podcasting, and I, I listen to my marketing podcasting, but there are some people, my opinion, you should be listening to. Charlie Kirk's got a lot of the young people. Uh, he, he's, he's got this Turning Point USA. Uh, he's got a lot of influence. Um, you're, you're going to disagree with some of the stuff that he says if you're an establishment ag person, but you need to be listening to him. I, I listen to Chad Prather. 
Now, he's kind of the party guy, you know, kind of ran a crazy right-wing uh, uh, primary race in Texas against Abbott. I mean, it promoted him in the show really well. But Glenn Beck, and people will say, well, Beck's crazy. Well, he may just be crazy enough. Uh, Joe Rogan. A lot of young guys out there listening to Joe Rogan. And, and I haven't heard an ag person on Joe Rogan yet ever. I, I've been asked to go on a, a big political uh, podcast up from the suburbs, and I'm probably going to do it. And I know this person. I know him well, and they're going to they're trash the farm program payments. I can see that coming already. But, you know, I, I go back to my we got the safest, most secure, most dependable, affordable. Did I say secure? Homegrown food supply, not only for us, but for starving people around the world. And yes, right now, we got to worry about people starving around the world because when people start starving, governments start toppling, you get instability and, and you get crazy things happening. Um, you know, Liz, but, but back to, back to uh, well, and I guess where I'm going with this, modern day establishment Republicans I think, are the Whig Party. Now, the Democrats, they're going through their own convulsions. They're, they're going farther and farther, farther left. You know, I, I think Elon Musk, if you follow his Twitter, and that's, that's, that's somebody, uh, anybody out there in ag leadership should be paying attention to that dude, too. You know, he showed where he was standing, and then they showed how, you know, progressively you had these people moving to the left of him. You know, he kind of at one time, you know, had him paint himself as left of center, and now he may be right of center. And, he, and he'll say, I haven't changed my views. But, uh, but I'm going to focus more on the, the establishment Republicans because that's who a lot of farmers out there are going to have representing them. You're going to be in a Republican congressional district more, than, more likely than not. You're probably going to be from a state that's got a Republican senator. So, you got Liz Cheney comparing herself to Lincoln. And yes, Lincoln lost a bunch of races. But most of those races he lost, it's because he was a Whig. And he won quite a few races. Um, and, and the thing is, too, Lincoln worked within the Republican Party and turned it inside out. He changed it from the inside out. He turned the Whig Party into the Republican Party because he turned the Whig Party inside out. And, and I sometimes think Trump's finally figuring that out. You know, instead of we got to make a new party, we got to redo it. You, 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 and, and okay. Abraham Lincoln was a Whig Party leader in the state of Illinois. He was a state representative from 1836 to 1842. That's eight years, folks. He, he helped move the state capital from Vandalia, which is in southern Illinois, to Springfield, which is almost the center of the state. And oh, by the way, happened to be Abe Lincoln's hometown at the time. In, in 46, Lincoln became a United States congressman running as a Whig. He beat a guy by the name of Peter Cartwright, who was a Democrat, served one term. And one of the things Lincoln championed, and I think maybe a lot of you ag people would like this, he championed infrastructure. He talked about, uh, you know, uh, deepening and broadening the waterways, 
building the Illinois-Michigan Canal, which connected the Illinois River to Lake Michigan. Uh, he talked about you know railroads. Lincoln was a big infrastructure guy. But the Republican Party coalition of anti-slavery Whigs that started in 1854 by 1860 had elected Abraham Lincoln president. But Lincoln for a long time was an establishment Whig party official for 10 years. Eight years as a state representative, two years as a congressman. And why do I know that? Well... Where I live happens to be the exact same area that Abraham Lincoln represented as a state representative and as a United States congressman. So my ancestors, who, by the way, some of them came in here in the winter of 1808, 1809, some more of them came in here in 1824, would have known probably their state rep and their United States congressman, who was Lincoln. Yes, he slept here. The, the, the little town I'm from uh, was a stagecoach stop on the stage between Peoria and, and Springfield. If you took the express stage, you got lunch here. If you took the slow stage, you overnighted here. So there you go. Um, well, and, and, and I could all get into the thing, the reason that a section's every six miles is because they rested the horses every six miles. They switched them at every 12 miles, i.e., that's why... 12 miles south of me, there's a place called the 12 Mile House, and that's where they switched the team of horses. Oh, by the way, I'm exactly 24 miles from downtown Springfield where the stage ended. I mean, it's, it, it just works out so well. But Liz Cheney is no Lincoln. I'm going to tell you that. And a lot of other established Republicans are no Lincoln. She lost but one by 37.4%. Lincoln lost, but I don't think Lincoln ever got whipped that bad. And he never lost in his party's primary. Uh, you know, th there's, there's also, like, there's, there's an establishment state rep in Illinois that likes to wrap himself in Lincoln, but I will say he's no Lincoln either. Um, establishment congressman downstate lost... By 15 points. 15.2, I think. Uh, he just didn't handle Trump well. You know, you got to remember, Cheney lives and was raised in Alexandria, Virginia, Washington, D.C. You know, pe people, people who voted establishment for quite a while, they've been hoping, they've been hoping that the establishment would straighten things out. And I, I think we, I think a lot of us in agriculture have put, put our hopes in, too, of getting, you know, some of these environmental regulations, getting some of that done. But I'll ask you, when Trump was in there and he did the WOTUS rewrite, he just did it. Now, since Biden came in there, he canceled it all and gave us back to the Obama WOTUS. So you say, what did it gain us? Well, but it showed you the blueprint of what you can get and what we can't expect. Um, you know, you, you look, you know, at, at, at basically in a lot of these races, my, the, my, my establishment congressional race here in Illinois, Liz Cheney, it's kind of a coalition 
of people who were in the 1994 contract for America, Tea Party, Trumpers, Cruz Christian conservatives, and basically they all got together and threw Liz out. Now she's blaming Wyoming voters. And she's saying that the average Wyoming voter is not representative of the average Republican voter. Well, Wyoming ranchers and farmers, she's talking about you. Uh, and, and, and I will say no, no, no to that. Uh, Wyoming tried like everywhere else, uh, and, 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 and they tried to go along with the establishment. They elected her, thought she would change things, but didn't. You know, and, and I sometimes think, too, that, that both the Democrat and the Republican establishment like not getting things fixed because then they can fundraise and run elections off the same doggone, you know, how long have we been wanting the locks and dams fixed? They were, they were built, good God, going on 100 years ago now. We got modern barges. We got GPS navigation. But yet we're still busting the barges apart, breaking them apart to go through the, all these locks and dams. You, you know, and, and there's a few people out there that still moldboard plow, but the vast majority of the farming in my neighborhood is not done that way. You know, we're not running a 40-20 with a five-bottom plow anymore, folks. The, the, there's, there's some of these problems that need to be fixed, can be fixed. And, there, and, and you know what, though? You're, you're going to get in there and you're going to fix them. You're going to upset some people if you do it. You may not get reelected, but we, but we need that. You, you know, back to Lincoln. Lincoln was... A radical. He exactly knew what his uh, his ascendancy to the presidency was going to mean in this country. Lincoln knew the South, and he knew the South very, very, very well. And he knew that him becoming president was probably not going to lead to a bunch of civility in the in the country. But he also knew the country had some problems that needed fixed. And yes, we lost hundreds of thousands of young men and boys to fix them. And do I want that to go on? No. But, but, I, but I, I also see some establishment people, both sides, that kind of act like they're little Caesars now. And, and I can tell you, I, you know, you, you know you'll, you'll have, you'll have and, and I don't disagree with the ag staff when they say that. Yeah, we don't want to cross them because we'll get the last phone call instead of the first one. And you always want to get the first phone call because if you get the first phone call, they're asking for your opinion and thinking where you want to be. If you get the last phone call, that means they're telling you what's going to happen to you. And just the courtesy call to let you know how bad you're getting screwed over. And I can tell you, and, and Judy brought this up. So, so really, this is Judy telling you. I shouldn't say I could tell you. Judy can tell you. What Wyoming... Wyoming um, was originally not establishment. It was the first place to give women the right to vote. What a radical idea that was. But yet we trash Wyoming voters and say they're not representative of the average. You know what? They're not, they're, the Wyoming voters were not, did not have a representative that was representing them. Now, I know I could hear it right now. I can hear my friend saying, oh, 
But in these competitive races, those kinds of people can't win. Well, I, I think in your primaries, you're going to get a lot of that. It, what, 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 what they maybe don't want. And, and you know what? It's going to be a big education process. You know, when you get the establishment people, you already know that they already know all your issues and you have to worry about anything and you don't have to worry about running around and taking them to getting them to know people and getting them to talk and giving them all the issues and everything. You know, we're, we're, and I hate to say this, but, but I had one ag staffer said, well, we're supposed to do that with big city Democrats, not conservative Republicans. And I'm like, well, this is a new brand of conservative Republicans. And oh, by the way, you may not convince them. And Wyoming's the most Republican state, but it's not East Coast establishment. Wow. Uh, I'm sure I've upset some people now, but, but, you know, Liz Cheney lost two to one with a bunch of Democrats switching over and voting for. About half the normal Democratic primary voters switched parties to vote for her, and she still lost two to one. Now, let, let's talk about some ag implications. I think a lot of ag groups, establishment ag groups, if they don't, that they don't make their contacts early and get to know these people, and talk to them and give them a little room on some of their opinions and ideas, could find themselves on the outside looking in. They're not careful. And I also believe too that the ag organization's membership has gotten a lot more conservative than what it used to be. You know, the days of having Roosevelt's picture on the wall, and remember when Franklin Roosevelt saved our farm from disaster in the 1930s, is a very, very distant memory to a tremendous amount of agriculture people, if, even if it's a memory at all. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and you can only get so far out from your membership. Now, and I'll, I'll say this, I mean, Theo notices this, and I've probably said this before. A lot of times your ag leadership is the same people talking to the same people that's been talking to each other since the 1980s ag crisis. And, and I also believe, too, that, that sometimes the, the establishment ag organizations, along with their staff, think their membership, which is very conservative, will carry them through, that will be able to then talk to the, the, the non-establishment party members, and, and that way they can get them their organization. But, but just... Just want to go back to a little bit about Abe Lincoln. Um, like I said, he act, he exactly knew what his election would lead to, and he knew it was radical. Um, and I know a lot of establishment Republicans, along with establishment groups, all kinds of establishment groups. It's not just ag groups. Um, you know, um, I I could talk about other types of of organizations. You know, a lot of times they want to get along to go along because they know with the establishment that they can kind of keep anything bad from happening to them. Um, it's easy. You don't have to work at it. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows the issues. We can just kind of mail it in. It's easy. Thank you, Theo, for that. Theo's the one that's telling me it's it's easy. Um, but Lincoln knew that Southern culture very well, and he brought the fight to it. And there are a number 
of non-establishment candidates on both the right and left, and they're bringing the fight to it. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, Marjorie Taylor Greene out of Georgia, they're swatting her now. And if you don't know what swatting is, that means they, they, use, they use a computer, they computer enhance their voice, Sometimes they even grab, they get the computers to grab, you know, speeches from her and put the words together so it sounds like her, and they're putting in fake 911 calls. And if you, and, and they're saying things like, oh, there's somebody that was murdered and shot here, and somebody's got a gun and everything else, which means if Marjorie Taylor Greene sees all these people show up in her front yard and she arms herself, they're liable to shoot her. And I'm not knocking the cops for that. I mean, you, you know, they're saying there's an armed person on the presence that's threatening everybody. Um, and dare I say that Trump knew the Democratic big city machine and the blue state culture very well, and he brought the fight to it. And I can tell you, farmers, before it's over, you're going to appreciate the Supreme Court that he brought. But I can tell you too, there's probably going to be some establishment stuff that we're probably not going to agree with the state rights and, and, and the downsizing of the federalization of things. Um, you know, it may not intervene on some state issues and, and people in ag will say, oh, that's not friendly to us. And, and I get that. Um, whoa. Um, you know, the one thing that that I think, you know, when I keep saying Lincoln was a radical, radical but he was also accountable to his voters because he did not win some elections. People knew what they were getting. You know, and, and I'll use the same analogy, you know, Liz Cheney thumbed her nose at her Wyoming voters and they voted huge for Trump twice. Now, this is where they say, oh, I'm like Lincoln. Lincoln, Lincoln got thrown out because he didn't represent what the voters wanted, and he lost those elections. And I think it was more, had more to do with one issue, one issue only, and that was slavery. And the fact that a lot of establishment back then knew that Lincoln's solution was going to be bad for business. <sighs> you can't call portions large portions of your own party, very sick. Um, all I know that that very sick group was healthy enough to beat her. Um, you know, I, and, and you're seeing all, you know, a lot of people saying, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out and everything else. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. But, but I am, I am going to say that, you know, um, 37.4% is a historic defeat for a sitting congressional person. And, and I think the establishment's in big trouble. I mean, we got $30 trillion in debt. We got all kinds of stuff going on. We got lots of crazy things happening. Young people yeah, young people can't afford a house. Just think about that. You know, the interest rates got really cheap, but the value of the houses went way up. And now the value of the houses are still up there, but the interest rates have gone up. You know, the average payment on a car is well over $500 a month. 
The average loan on a car is over $40,000. Dual working couple, both with a couple cars. They got, you know, they won't have, because they've been paying on, I'm sure, one. Both won't be new. But you, you're, you're talking about some serious debt just on a couple automobiles. And and I think I think too. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There there's a there's young people moving into agriculture, and and you know if you moved in at the right time here on these two upswings, you could make a lot of money and make the deal. But in a lot of cases, you're either joining an established operation or somebody's slipping out to make room for you. You know, to start from scratch, and it's always been hard to start from scratch, and there'll be people start from scratch, but. But back back to the new right and the new left. To to hope things go back the way they were, and to hope that the establishment wins, and to hope that that well we we want that person elected because they got seniority. That's not much of a reason to have somebody elected. That that's not going to quote unquote fire up your troops against somebody else that has fired up troops. I think the world's changing, and I think we, I think we need to look at it. And I'm not – I've been a member of the establishment ag organizations. I've, I've been on a state board twice. You know, I've been, been around, been, been in government. I know what, what it is to be part of the establishment, and it's easy. I think that, that's probably the best comment by Theo. It's easy. You know who the, all the players are. You know what their issues are. You know what they want. And somebody new, you got to educate and bring them on board and everything else. And the fact is you may not get them to agree with you on some things. But I also say, too, to the establishment, you know, these newer anti-tax social conservative Republicans are probably going to agree with you completely on getting rid of the inheritance tax, going to probably completely agree with you on getting rid of regulations, there's a lot of places I think you can have commonality in. And so you may need to look for the areas that you got in common and maybe not the area. I, I, I know there's a lot of establishment ag worried about, well, how much money are they going to spend on a farm bill? Well, they're probably not going to want to spend as much money as you want to spend. That's just, that's just, the, just where they are. But take what you can get where you can get it. And... You know, if you're establishment, please. Abraham Lincoln was my ancestor's state rep. Abraham Lincoln was my ancestor's U.S. congressman. And Abraham Lincoln was their president. Don't don't wrap yourself in Abraham Lincoln when you're establishment. Because Abraham Lincoln upended the establishment to get the change done. Abraham Lincoln was a radical. Well, hey, buckle up, buckaroos. This thing's probably going to get wilder. Um, we got the Pro Farmer Tour out of the way. Uh, in, in no way, shape, or form do I think USDA ever gets down to that number right away, probably eventually. But on the other hand, too, Pro Farmer's probably putting more January number out there than a September number. Um, but it's going to be a bumpy ride to the smartest audience in agriculture. Thanks for listening.